This episode of Let's Think On It comes from an excerpt from O Brother Radio with Will Lockamy, Reed Lockamy, and Dr. Mark Westfall. Reed, we're hanging out with Dr. Mark Westfall, uh, as we do, once a month. And, of course, you can catch these segments at a podcast called Let's Think On It on iTunes and anywhere you get podcasts. So go back. There's a lot of interesting things we've covered. I was put on the spot earlier today. I was talking to another doctor, and I was like, yeah, you know, here's what we talk about with Dr. Westfall. And it's like, ah, because I was trying to, instead of just thinking about the subjects, I was trying to think of, like, how they're titled on the podcast. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, we've covered so much. Covered a fair amount. A fair amount, indeed. I think we've been doing it... uh, over a year and a half now. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. And that's just the podcasting. Yeah. I mean, we've been, been doing yeah. it longer than that. Right. But we've recorded since January of 2016, I think. Um, and tonight we're going to revisit something that we talked about a while back. And it's really something we should talk about it a lot because it's, it's super important and maybe one of the most important things to be talking about in our country at this moment. Which is? Which is, well, I mean, I introduced it earlier. And tell me if this is how you want to introduce this as addiction in the brain. Yeah, opioid addiction Beautiful. specifically, or um, we'll probably start wide and narrow down. Okay. So yeah, addiction in the brain in general. I think the addiction process is something that we continue to learn new things about scientifically, and it's hard to wrap your head around. Actually, right? Um, it's it's quite complicated, and it's changing. You know, every few years, our knowledge of what addiction is. So I think um, you know. In general, we'll just start with that. I mean, what is addiction and... And what drives it, especially because, you know, for years you grow up and you learn like, oh, there are these chemical hooks and it's a chemical hook and it hooks you in. And then you have people who theorize, now, wait a second, maybe it has more to do with your social surroundings and your, you know, sort of uh, emotional needs and things of that nature. And I imagine in the end, it's probably a combination of those factors. It's, it's a combination of a lot of factors. I mean, and interestingly, what we're learning is there's a there's a core... Um, process in our brains uh, involving learning uh, that essentially is there for us to survive. And that is when we have a sensation, let's say a food or a look from someone or anything that creates a sensation in our brain, um, we categorize it. Is this something I like or something I don't like? Right. And your brain kind of paints um, essentially a, a, a gloss on that sensation and labels it as something you like or not. And so that liking uh, response um, can be seen in behaviors of animals. For example, you can study a, a rodent in the lab and you put a little sugar on its tongue and it starts sticking out its tongue more and licking its lips. And, and, and that's interpreted as a liking behavioral response. It liked it. Yeah. Infants will do the same thing. You put a little sugar on their tongue. If you put something that's bitter or something that burns, you don't get that same reaction. Now, so far, all of these are related to licking. You sure it's not a licking response? It's a liking, liking response? Okay, licking, liking. It's very close. Right, very, it's very close. similar. Okay. Well, we right. lick the things we like. Maybe. Okay, right, maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> so so uh, our mouth is essentially our first uh, sensory experience. Right, that's know. true. Um, Possible so new intern Sarah Jane spit out her coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was not. not because she didn't like it. No, no. That's right. <laughs> no, it was Red Diamond. She had right, to love it. Of course. It. She loved it. 
But so, but all right. But now some people so, though like these things, and they're able to be like, all right, I'll have that in moderation. Right. Exactly. I like it, and I'll have it again. But what what we're finding is that there's another aspect to this circuit called wanting. Mm-hmm. And so it seems to be, and this is pretty new. Well, let me put it this way: this is very controversial. Some people agree with what I'm getting ready to say, and many people don't agree. Okay. Um, but I kind of like this this uh, new theory that I came across. It's not really new. It's new to me. It started in 1995, so it's been around a long time. But the wanting aspect of that, and the the theory from this person, Dr. Berridge in University of Michigan, and I encourage people, by the way, to go to an article in um, The Economist in June of 2015 okay. by Amy Fleming, The Science of Craving. Mm-hmm. It talks specifically about him and his theory. It's well-written. Much better than I'm probably going to tell you right now. Yeah. What's so, his theory in a nutshell, though? So that's where I'm headed. So he yeah. has this theory that there's a want and a like. And as opposed to what I've talked about before is the pleasure principle, that when you take a substance, releases dopamine, we feel pleasure, so we want it again. Sure. There's some of that, but for some reason, some people continue pursuing something that's no longer pleasurable. Right. So the pleasure pr- principle doesn't quite answer that one. It's like, no. wait a minute. After you've had horrible consequences from this substance or this, even if it's a uh, an old girlfriend, for example. Right. Just comfort. What makes you go back to that? Again? Right. When it was really painful. And the theory is, is that there's two separate mechanisms. And one is a want circuit and that substances change the want behavior it actually remolds your neurons so that it triggers a want behavior Mm. most of our want behaviors are unconscious i mean if you think about it when you're hungry um and you go get something to eat i mean you're thinking about it but it's starting to build before you think about it i mean you know it's slowly building and then you realize you know hey i'm hungry or sometimes you don't even realize it until you see something that looks good and say, wow, I didn't realize how hungry I was. No. So sometimes this behavior is unconscious. And we can see that even in rats. They'll, they can uh, show them subliminal images or even humans. And you can see the brain light up on this circuit. And they will not even register in their conscious mind that they saw an image of a substance. Like yeah. they'll show a, a, like a 33 millisecond of a of a line of cocaine and the person you know did you see anything I, I don't know but on imaging you can see that this circuitry of wanting it registers registers now I so keep, part of it's unconscious I keep wanting you to say the word need like I feel like the next progression is we're going to go from like I like it to I want it to I need it to I must have it is that where we're going or is no, wanting it's just wanting and stopping? Liking. wanting is it how about that we, we we continually want things and that's if you can see our society uh, you can see how that gets us in trouble with a lot of things. Yeah, we're we're overweight. Yeah, we we want uh, we want too much money. We we get driven by money, uh, so we work overwork, um, or we steal. Um, you know, we we want um, too much pleasure in something. Maybe um, winning. Yeah. Uh, so gambling gets out of hand because you get that pleasure of winning, but then you want more of that. So this this circuitry goes awry in some people more than others that's the key that we don't understand why do some people's want circuitry Mm. get hijacked by the substances 
and others don't because not everyone who's exposed to a substance develops that craving and that want right but for some people once they're exposed that that uh that circuit is is triggered and they will tell you i don't desire i I don't like it pleasurable i don't like it and at this moment i can tell you i don't want to do it but then some subtle cue will occur or something will happen that triggers that want and before they know it they're using again and they i have people who relapse all the time and say "I, i don't understand i don't understand how i relapsed because i've been sober for however many months or years and someone's uh, i've said no a hundred times but someone said something and i said yeah and before i knew it i was doing it again i'm like how did i get here again it seems counterintuitive that you could want something that you don't like but if you put it in a different context like if you think well maybe this explains florida georgia line like maybe why could people want something that they that no one likes no one likes it right (laughs) now it kind of starts to make sense yeah Interesting. You're all over it. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. Hmm. Uh, hey, let's do this. Before we go to break, let's go ahead and introduce our guest for the night. Let's do it. Um, Kylie joins us now. Kylie, thanks for being here, by the way. No problem. Thank you. I had to go throw a rope around her and drag her down here. Uh, <laughs> She's <laughs> to, here. Right but she is here. Um, uh-huh. Kylie, you lost um, uh, someone very close to you this last year. Boyfriend. So yeah. Okay. Um, and his name is Sam. Yeah. Tell us, before we go to break, tell us about Sam. Um, he was just one of those people, guys, that walked into a room and everybody flocked to. He was funny, handsome, extremely smart, just the coolest guy. And I loved him very much. And he had, it sounds like he had a lot going for him. Uh, yeah, more than <laughs> most people. And sometimes when you think about someone who winds up losing the kind of battle we're talking about tonight it's easy to picture like well that's someone who doesn't you know people don't like that person but that's not the picture you're painting of sam there no yeah um and we're going to talk a lot about sam and his struggle and and what happened and your side of that and your experience with that along with dr westfall but let's go ahead and uh tell everybody kind of briefly what happened with sam in the end um as we were dating he i didn't know about his addiction until we were dating um and he we struggled with it i tried to help him quit you know we tried everything pretty much you know fighting like not fighting uh you know and he wanted to quit really bad he had some friends there for him and i just it's still hard to even understand you know um i think sometimes you know when dr westfall mentioned this and when you mentioned this you hear people say well i want to quit or i don't know why i'm having a struggle with this and i think it's easy for people who've not had this struggle to think well you're just saying that because that's what you're supposed to say but really you don't actually want to quit but your experience left you feeling like that was genuine he wanted to quit this thing i do think it was genuine yeah yeah, I think that's I think that's a really hard thing for people to understand. I'm glad that we're talking about this tonight because hopefully we'll help help give me and other people, you know, a good perspective on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick break. Um and when we come back, we'll kind of start and go through this journey and and talk about it and um hopefully Dr. Westfall will help us all understand kind of how this stuff works uh, the best he can. We're hanging out here with Dr. Mark Westfall and we're talking about uh, some important stuff, addiction in the brain and specifically now opioid addiction. 
and heroin. Um, heroin back in the day, I knew some people that used heroin, and this was in the late 90s, and it was not the same heroin that is going around now. It's not at all the same heroin. In fact, the Hoover Police Department a couple of years ago asked, invited me and some other people to come. Uh, they wanted to kind of talk to some folks about what was happening in the community, and they talked about heroin and how, I don't want to misquote them, but it was something along the lines of the first heroin they ever found like when they pulled over a car, was in 2004, which kind of blew my mind. I was like, wow. Two th- because the first heroin who ever found? The Hoover Police Department. Really? So it, yeah. Now, it, that could be like... the history of the Hoover Police Department? Could have been 2002. It yeah. was in that area, though. Yeah, I mean, that was one. It w- that was the most shocking thing out of that. Now, the other shocking thing was that we were sitting there in my neighborhood, uh, 100 yards from my house, and they, were, and they gave a perimeter pretty close in that neighborhood, and there had been a number of deaths. And then nobody, I had no idea. I had no idea about that. And they were talking about how the starts in medicine cabinets and with yeah. uh, prescriptions yeah, well. and then moves into to where we are here with this new type of heroin that is cheap, easily accessible, and sometimes laced with fentanyl as so, well. Yeah. That's so what, what was laced in his, they found out. Was fentanyl? Fentanyl. It was yeah. in his system. Yeah. So, and even before tonight's show, I mean, you said you know multiple people who have yeah, I, I knew Sam. Uh, I knew Sam and Sam's family. I knew Sam when he was a young man. Um, and then I have uh, two two others. We had a father on. Who I, so I didn't know his daughter that died, but I know the dad, yeah. um, Chris. And then I have a, a yeah. someone who's a pretty close friend of mine. So the problem with opiates is that there are a lot of different varieties, and they have different potencies. Potency in medical terms means for a given milligram you get a certain amount of effect at the opioid receptor. Our brains have receptors that are called natural opioids because our brain actually produces its own opioids. You don't actually have to inject any. Um, You just have to do things that produce opioids. Exercise is one. Eating foods is another. That that, um, the like response, by the way, is opioid mediated, not dopamine mediated. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Yeah. So, and also cannabinoid mediated. So we have natural cannabinoids, which is cannabis. So we actually have receptors in our brain that we've we've labeled the names of drugs because that's how we found the receptor. But the receptors were there before the drugs were made by mankind. How about that? Sense. So, um, but the opioids uh, come from opium originally, but they're also synthetic opioids. Mankind has created synthetic molecules that also bind on the receptor, and so they've been used for pain medicines. Um, fentanyl, which you mentioned um, is a extraordinarily potent version of an opioid, like 200 times the typical value of, like, say, Lortab or something, okay? Right. It's used essentially to put people in comas in the hospital. We use fentanyl when someone needs to, is on a ventilator, and they need to be sedated so that they don't fight the ventilators. We essentially induce a coma. If they weren't on the ventilator, they wouldn't be able to stay on, tolerate that, that drug. Um, so that's its act typical use in the medical field mm, no. so when you put a extraordinarily potent um, opiate drug and mix it in with heroin which many people are used to the effect of a given s- amount of heroin now they take the normal amount of heroin but they now also are unknowingly taking fentanyl so it puts them essentially in it, it suppresses their breathing and and they can die from not breathing yeah makes it stronger 
I mean, but like stronger. so much stronger. What's the? I honestly, I'm, I'm like, asking honestly. I don't understand the point of it. Who would ever request it to be that much I stronger? I honestly think they were like testing it out on people. I think that's what was going on. Well, and I think another problem is that, uh, you know, sometimes you'll take something like fentanyl, which takes a very small amount and maybe is easily, you know, you can easily mm-hmm. smuggle it into the country and, and those sorts of things. And all of a sudden you can cut whatever drugs you are selling Diluted. with it. Yeah. And, of course, the people who are selling the drugs are just trying to make money. And the less, you know, that they have to put into the product, we can get the punch. So, I mean, there's a dangerous combination very, there of why this winds up in the drug. Right. No. The other thing that happens a lot is um, people will... Um, there's a there's a tolerance level people develop when they use opiates, and then frequently you'll hear, well, they had been sober for a certain amount of time, and then they relapsed, and upon relapsing, they overdosed. And that phenomenon is because their tolerance to the drug went away mm. during their recovery period, but their knowledge, th- their use pattern mm. didn't. And so they went back to the doses that they used to use, and now that dose even though they used to tolerate it and not not have any adverse effect or adverse they get yeah. but not die from it now they've lost their tolerance to it so the same dose has a different effect on them and they overdose because they used the old dose they used to use that makes and sense. then you add into that oh and by the way Anybody there's fentanyl, fentanyl in, in here it, that you don't know exactly about. Right. exactly yeah. so that's i mean the, the epidemic is dramatic i mean there's 50 in 2015 52,000 people in the u.s died from um from drug overdoses, 33,000 of those were from opiates. Interestingly, of the 33, 20,000 were, were from prescription drugs. Wow. 13,000 was from illicit drugs. Wow. Yeah. So what, um, what the government did recently in 2014 in response to the problems with prescription drugs is they changed the schedule right. that opiates were on. And it used to be that you could write prescriptions with refills or that you could call in a prescription to the pharmacy they made it much more difficult they elevated the the quote-unquote schedule long story short so now it's more complicated for a physician to fill a prescription which makes it hopefully they're going to decrease the number of prescriptions written there were in 2015 there were something like uh 290 million prescriptions written there's only 300 and 30 million people in the U.S., so almost one prescription per person. Wow. Yeah. A lot of supply out there. Yeah. So we're trying to diminish the supply that the physicians provide. The next correlate that's a problem is that it's now cheaper to get heroin illicitly than it is to get the prescription drugs illicitly. And now then the heroin, of course, is not regulated at exactly. all. Yeah. So there you see the problem. Right. So let's move over to Kylie. So Kylie, how old are you roughly? I just turned 25. 25. And um, Sam is your boyfriend's name. And yeah. how long were you all together? Uh, we were together a year and two months. And how much of that were you aware that he had a substance problem? Um, he actually found out a month into dating. Okay. He overdosed. Within the first month. Yeah. I found him in our apartment. Um. So that's when I found out about the whole thing. Now, what was that like for you? Had you had any experience with substances yourself? No. Or and any? I mean, had had you ever seen anybody else struggle with substances in your life? I have a family member, um, okay. not to that extreme though. Okay, so you 
seen substance misuse before. Mm-hmm. A month in the dating Sam, he overdoses. What did he overdose on? It was heroin. And so, tell me about that. What happened? Um, I basically woke up to him on the floor in my in our room, and I honestly thought he had a seizure, hit his head. Like I didn't know what was going on, and then I saw he had a needle mark in his arm, and I called nine one one, and they came right in there and uh, used the that nasal spray. Yep. What is that drug? Narcan. Narcan. Mm-hmm. And so he was unresponsive. He was yes. not moving. He was not. Was moving. he breathing? No. Okay. Wow. So you um, called the first month in the relationship. He overdoses in your bedroom or in a bedroom yes. in the room, and you call nine one one. They come. They give him Narcan. By the way, Narcan immediately binds on the opioid opioid receptors in our brain and blocks anything from binding on it. So it immediately stops the effects and reverses essentially the effects of opium, and so people will go from a unresponsive asleep state to sitting up straight looking at you talking like what happened so not dead at that point they're not being revived they're just their effects are being revised he probably was breathing but it was so shallow she couldn't observe it right okay Okay. i mean he probably was getting some oxygen through but he was possibly on his way to not doing that anymore and Mm -hmm. so it reverses the effect of the drug immediately and the person wakes up i mean it's like immediate and that was the experience you had when they administered the narcan yeah wow yeah Hmm. so then what like the next day what do you say to sam or how does this uh how does this progress from there because i mean obviously if you're just finding out that night like oh my gosh it was difficult for me um i'm sure for both of us when we first met it was pretty much love at first sight i felt immediate connection with him um throughout the relationship the only about the only thing we fought about was the addiction besides that we were two peas in a pod you know we were like we loved each other so much and I still love him and I mean I just wanted to help him honest I yeah. so after he overdosed did he go to treatment then or what was no. what was the response to that um from you know how did you respond and what did he say the, the next day when he got out of the hospital he it was like nothing happened that was the first overdose of his that you were aware of had he had previous overdoses not that i'm aware not of. that you know of I'm but he didn't sure. seem over i mean he didn't seem scared to death about that incident no, no. not to me at least no. he could have been he was a very strong guy he wanted everyone to you know no he was like a tough no. guy so i'm sure and like talking to him throughout the year he definitely opened up about it a little bit so after he got out of the hospital the next day do you have a sense of how long it was before he used again no um i think it was soon it was what soon i honestly don't know right it was such a hard time um I almost felt like I was, like, in an addiction, you know? Tell me about that. Um, Just seeing him go through it and us, f- like, just finding things. And it was hard on me. It really changed me. Um, I just wanted him to get better. I wanted to be with him forever, you know? 
you know, you hear about codependency and the weird ways that the person who's not, you know, addicted to the substance can kind of become emotionally hooked to the where this is getting better and that's a positive feeling and, and a, you know, it's a complex thing trying to be in, in that side of the relationship. Yeah, I would go to friends and talk to them about it um, to try to get their advice because I didn't know what to do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the other thing we talked about, you know, before the thing, the, the want and like circuits. Um, love, she said it felt, she felt like it was love at first sight, mm-hmm. has that addictive quality to it that has a wanting. Mm-hmm. Yeah and a liking component as well. And so you clearly were very attracted to him, fell deeply in love with him. And so it's difficult to let go of that, even in the context of someone who's struggling with something that within the first month, you're like, whoa, this is more than I bargained for, I suspect. Yeah. But you, part of you wanted to continue being with him. And so you stayed with him throughout. Um, Did he suffer, um, did he go through other episodes of overdoses or other episodes of treatment or um no he tried his own thing he would uh he tried this one thing where he stayed in a hotel for a week to try to self i guess detox we call it yeah Yeah. but i was by himself or he was um i visited him once and i know some friends visited him a few times and when i went to see him it was like very sad and he wasn't any better i ended up checking him out of the hotel and he came home with me because i was scared for his life detox is a dangerous thing and he cried to me and thanked me he cried on my lap all night and thanked me that i got him out of there um i don't necessarily think he was detoxing i think he was just alone and dealing with life Mm -hmm. and what he was going through yeah Sam was very well liked, and uh, one of our mutual friends just texted me and said, "Yeah, Sam tried to quit a bunch." Um, and so that was kind of what I was going to ask: was what was what was he doing to yeah. try to quit? In fact, in fact, a uh, friend here says he went to great lengths to quit. But I guess that's probably a, an example of that. Yeah, yeah. it's um, opiates have a um, a strong uh, lasting effect on that craving or wanting yeah the withdrawals actually are not as difficult as some other drugs hmm. i mean they don't get wrong they feel horrible but they're not as i should say they're not as dangerous i see okay um people don't die from opiate withdrawal people die from alcohol withdrawal and from benzodiazepine withdrawal right but people feel horrible with opiate withdrawal and mood is really affected um yeah. I mean, aching all over. I mean, they feel horrible. Like, I mean, like the flu times 10 plus depression. If you've ever seen Train Spotting, there's, you know, it's hard to forget the scenes in that film about, about opiate withdrawal. Yeah. So, yeah. You, I mean, you definitely need help. Yeah. He getting always through talks that. to me about the withdrawals and stuff, but I don't necessarily, I never really saw it. No. And if people go in for treatment for that, there are medications that can be given to diminish the physical, physical impact or mm-hmm. of withdrawal. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can help them get through that detoxification phase. Yeah. And then you move into the next and the more difficult phase, actually, which is rehabilitation, which is trying to 
change the learned behavior mm-hmm. of addiction. And that some people spend a lifetime trying to interrupt trying to the want circuit, perhaps. Right, exactly. Yeah. We're talking to Dr. Mark Westfall, and we're talking about addiction, uh, specifically opioid, heroin. We have Kylie here with us who lost um, her boyfriend, Sam. Was it, I'm trying to think of the date, was it a year ago? It was just two? It was June 20th. Okay, June 20th, mm-hmm. so just over a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us this. When Sam was using and not using, could you tell? Was it very, this is like super obvious? No. Um, I in he was a very functional addict. I could tell um, at times if he was, I guess, more messed up. But I guess finding paraphernalia and just things like that, I think he was honestly using something constantly. So he, he was trying to keep it from you. I mean, it's something that he wouldn't oh, just yeah. do openly. He was oh trying no! To it was. But you could tell that he private. through paraphernalia and actions that he was frequently using something, and more yeah. more than just opiates. Was he? Did he have more than one substance that he abused? Xanax, um, Lortabs. Are those both opioids? So Xanax, no, Xanax is a benzodiazepine. So it's in the speak my language, nobody. So it works a uh, Valium. It's a Valium. It's like a muscle relaxer, yeah, right? So it, okay. it um it binds on the same receptor alcohol binds on. I heard when he was in baseball in high school that someone gave him Roxy's, and that was so this. I've heard that content. that's what people start before they do heroin. Hmm. Yeah. But I didn't. I've just heard that through fr- family. I think. Yeah. So see. So we got a prescription drug, OxyContin, um, and is that Roxy's? Is that what I that is? I'm Honestly, Maybe. I'm not quite sure what okay. the R is of that, but yeah. Roxy, I think, has OxyContin in it. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. And um, so most people, their first experience with an opiate is through somebody's prescription for mm-hmm. pain. Just oxycodone. Yeah, it's right. So kind of oxycodone, thing. yeah. So um, their first exposure is through someone's um, medication for pain. And then they find that they have a experience with it they want to repeat and eventually it's cheaper to get heroin than it is you know the prescription pain drugs apparently currently yeah when sam um, was getting the heroin like would, would you know he was going to get it Did, were you in that process like it, to me it, i've m- mentioned this multiple times when we've talked about drugs on the show no. um sometimes my lack of experience with drugs is the fact that I wouldn't know where to get a drug. Like, I'm, I, I'm super right. lame, I guess, I but would I just wouldn't even no know where idea. to... So, I don't know how that process... Like, sure, I hear that heroin's real cheap, but, like, where would you even start getting heroin? I don't um, know where that works. Uh, I think if, go ahead. When we first met and he moved in with me, he there was a phone number that would call me. And so, I think when he got back to Birmingham that he already knew this guy. And... Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I do know, like, this one apartment he would go to, and I would sometimes, coming home from work, he'd be walking home, and he would use another, an excuse that he was, like, went somewhere, but in the back of my head, I knew what he was doing. Um, So people have dealers, they just have people, and they're just through the... When right. you're wanting something, Black market, you're yeah. going to find it. Yeah. When you're hungry, you're going to find a restaurant. 
Yeah. I mean, used are. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so no, if you're using that. substances and you're typically around someone else who might be using substances, you're going to start asking and someone's going to know right. the dealer. And then once you, I mean, and the dealer's also probably not being very shy. He wants to sell, so he's going to, you know, call you up and hear you want something. I mean, Sam knew a lot of people, <laughs> so yeah. I don't it's know. Just, it's just word I'm of sure mouth. sure there's a lot of people in Birmingham that sell that. Yeah. Right. In between that first overdose uh, and then the final, the fatal overdose, were there any in between? Overdoses? Uh-huh. No. Were there any um, times that you felt like, like I, I've never seen an overdose. I don't know if like it's just a light switch kind of deal or were there times when you felt like, oh, this is coming? Uh, no, it's more like a light switch deal. Um, but I, I was only around for the first one um, when he was already out. You know, we talked earlier about the idea of, you know, did he ever go to a, a formal treatment? And you said no, but he was working really hard to try to do things on his own. I would be curious to know, because it's a very common thing, obviously, for people to not want to, you know, go to a rehabilitation center. Mm-hmm. I would be curious to hear your thoughts about why you think, because we talked earlier about he wanted to be over this thing. Why do you think he didn't want to do that, going to rehab? Going to rehab? Yeah. Um, we talked about it. Um, mostly I nagged him about it. Sure. Be like, so have you looked up this number yet? Uh, I've written down some places and he would say, I will. Um, I do think he wanted to stop not 100% of the time, you know. Um, he, I don't know. He had a lot of self, like he was going to do what he wanted to do. Yeah. It's 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 still hard to even think about or understand. From the outside it seems like gosh, just go and get this help and let's let's get this thing over right. with, but it's not, not that, that simple. Easy. Yeah. Were there other friends or people aware of what Sam was going through or were you kind of the one? Um I a few of them knew later on when I would go to them about it. Um but ev- like the main stuff, everyday stuff, just me. Yeah. I mean, we were together all day, every day, pretty much. Uh, Sam's sister writes in and says she thinks that one of the reasons he wouldn't go was because he would then have to face the reason that he was doing it. He didn't oh, really yeah, that. exactly. And that kind of speaks insight to the, into no. that reason? Um, I mean, just because he didn't want people to know about that. One of the reasons was, he wouldn't Because he go. was, like, the best guy. I think he was just so ashamed of it. Do you, do you have insight into the reason he started using? I don't. Okay. Yeah. Um, and in the end, I mean, let, let's talk about that, how, how it all finished with Sam. Were you there at the time? Um, no, I was at work. You are at work. So yeah. He had dropped me off at work that morning and was very happy. Um, he was just like... Just like every other day. Bye, Kiki. I love you so much. I'll see you later. We texted throughout the day. I talked to him on the phone about an hour before I got off work. I was supposed to work just a one shift, but I ended up having to stay and work a mm. double. And he, like, we talked on the phone, like, all the time. Like, we'd live together, and then he'd get to work, and then he'd call me, and we'd talk. Like, that's just how much we, like, loved each other. And... We talked on the phone like an hour before, and then I was like, okay, well, I get off at 
10 or 9 or something and I called him and he didn't answer mm. and deep down I knew by that one phone call because he answered every call of mine and I called him again I called him a thousand times and then I finally got a text from my neighbor saying that there was an ambulance outside his brother who's my age actually had gone over there mm. um I grew up with him, had gone over there to hang out, and when I got home, we were just all going to hang out, and he had gotten there and found him. Yeah. Gosh. Um, Well, this is important what you're doing. We did a series maybe six months ago, and we had some families on on the morning show, and uh, Sam's dad and Sam's sister were on, and that was important. I think this is important too because you just have a, a different view of it. Uh, you're in, you know, witnessing it from a different side than they were, and a side that a lot of people don't. You know, there are a lot of family members involved, but there aren't always the person that was living with the person mm-hmm. at the yeah. time and got to see it from that vantage point. Um, so I want you to know. I know this is tough for you doing yeah. this, but it's but been thank a you tough for tough day. It. Yeah, but thank you for doing it. And um, again, I just I think it's really important. Yeah, Kelly, you're very brave for coming on. Yeah, no question. Thank you. Yeah, um, you know, and, and the hope is that someone that's in your position will hear this and think like, "Uh oh, I need to, you know, take a different stand, or I need to, you know, right. learn from this situation." Yeah. yeah. So, and there's also coming up um, the 23rd of September. So that is next Saturday. It's the End Addiction Beham Recovery Walk. Um, hosted by End Addiction Beham. So you can look that up. It's on Facebook. Um, free event. Anybody's welcome to attend. I think this is different from the one that was put on f- six months ago or so. The, uh, the End Heroin Walk? Yeah, the End Heroin Walk. But that one had thousands of people out oh, there. Oh, it was that. like crazy big. Like yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. And hopefully this one will, will be the same way. It's 5 to 9 p.m. There, so in the evening at Railroad Park on the 23rd. Yep. So head out there that evening. Kylie, good stuff. Anything else you want to say about Sam or a uh, message you want to get out to people about this situation? Just be there for them. Love them. That's all you can do. Don't push them away. Just love them. I love you, Sam. I'll always love you. And I love his family. They've been there for me and all my friends. Just be there for them. There you go. Thanks, Kylie. Mark, let's take a quick break. Uh, And we've been hanging out with Kylie and talking about her loss, um, her boyfriend Sam, just over a year ago to heroin. Um, And we were going to let you go, but then you said some cool stuff in the break. And we thought, well, that's important to talk about as Mm well. I was just saying I wanted people to not view Sam or any other people dealing with addiction as someone, as a drug addict, as the guy that died from a heroin overdose. Sam was the most amazing human I've ever met in my life. He taught me everything. He cooked for me, took me on travels. He was there for me. And I just want people to to know that. And Sam was a, he's a big kid he's an athlete he's like a really good looking oh yeah big kid uh it's not some you know i don't know i think there's a stigma i think a lot of times people I, think I'm like so oh, glad this is a uh, yeah kylie i'm so glad you came on and back on and said that because i mean it wasn't we talked you know focused on the substance aspect there was so many other aspects about him that you described off mic and so i think that's really important people understand that this is everyday people right you know 
it's not the image maybe that you have of the you know the end stage heroin addict under the overpass with the needle I mean yes that is it as well but we're talking about everyday people who get exposed to a pain medication and it triggers this want that we described earlier that um, is probably biologically predisposed not everybody who's exposed to a drug develops that they don't know that the person experimenting or exposed to a drug so um, you know it, it the substance addiction doesn't define the person. Um, we should be awfully careful about reducing people to this problem because right. one of my favorite things about the show Intervention is you in the first two minutes you think, why this person, what's wrong with you? And then they show you this person's background and you realize like that's a human being who's a lot of things before they are a drug addict. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, well spoken, Kylie. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Now you're free to go, but don't go yet. Yeah. Wait till the lights <laughs> are off. Yeah. Then you can go. Mark, how do you want to close this out, man? Um, Reed, what did you say before? In the you know, my question for you, because, I mean, you're, you're a medical oh, yeah, yeah, doctor, yeah. Is, is the idea of opioids as prescription drugs. I mean, obviously, they're effective. They can help people deal with pain. But is it a smart way to deal with pain? It's a, it's a great question. So I think the, the numbers show it's clearly over, they're clearly overprescribed. Yeah. Um, I think there's an ongoing change in the healthcare community. You know, when I first came out of residency, I can remember ha- attending meetings at the hospital, and they were talking about under management of people's pain. Um, and as, you know, that was twenty, thirty years ago. No. It's like you know, we're not treating them with enough pain medicines; they shouldn't suffer. Um, and so I think. As the more we learn about addiction, we have to recognize that, you know, exposing people to these drugs, yes, it tra- treats their pain, and people want to come into the hospital, have a surgery, and have no pain, but we're exposing brains to a chemical that might leave a lasting impression and change their behavior forever. So we really have to, we we still have a lot to learn about this yeah. whole addiction process before we can decide what's the best way to treat pain, um, but, you know, I'm biased, I see I'm constantly trying to get people off of pain drugs. I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a you know orthopedist. I, mean, no. I don't want to say that everybody's over medicating, because when someone's in severe pain, you want to ease their pain. Or as doctors, we try to help people. So it's a very difficult task. But I think the FDA, the DEA, has said, "Hey," and the FDA has said, "We're over prescribing." So we're going to make it a little more difficult. Can't just call in. Can't call refills. Let's let's make this a little bit more difficult. So a lot of physicians have now stopped writing it. Yeah. Primary care doctors are like, I don't write anymore. You go see a pain specialist and leave that prescribing to the pain specialist. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think we need to reevaluate how we treat pain. Don't forget you can find uh, this and every interview we do with Dr. Mark Westfall on iTunes and anywhere you find podcasts under the name Let's Think On It. It'll be out. Usually it's a few days, a week or so. Yeah, it'll be uh, up within the week. Yeah. That's when they will pop up. Um, thank you, Dr. Westfall, for being here. Kylie, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Yep, it's great to have you. To listen to Dr. Mark Westfall live, check out O Brother Radio on Birmingham Mountain Radio, 107.3 FM in Birmingham, 97.5 in Tuscaloosa, at bhammountainradio.com, or on the free BMR app. Join in with your questions and comments on Twitter, at Lockamy Brothers. <laughs>